All right, a little crowd participation here. You're there on your couch, okay, pretend like you're in person. I'm just curious. Uh, raise your hand if this is you. All right, let me tell you the situation. You go out to your car. You put the keys in the ignition. You start the car, okay? You throw the car in reverse. You start wheeling out in reverse, and just like half a second later, you hear thump, and you immediately realize how much of an idiot you are because before backing up, you didn't look behind you. You just... And not only that, you realize you have run into your own vehicle. Like, I've been in some fender benders and like there's, you know, I'm not talking about like you're driving down the road and someone forgets to put on their signal or someone changes and comes into your lane or someone turns too early and you run into them and there's two drivers and two. No, I'm talking like there's only one driver and it was at like less than two miles an hour and you are the owner of both of those vehicles. Okay, is anybody with me on that? Am I the only one? Uh, this happened to me a couple months ago and, oh, I felt so stupid. I mean, I was just in a hurry. I ran out to the car. Uh, it wasn't in my driveway, which is even worse. I've heard of that. It was on the, on the curb, like in front of the house. And I just wasn't thinking that other car was normally not behind me anyway. Beep, and crunch and, ah, and you get out and you're immediately like, I'm so stupid. <laughs> right. Uh, I was fortunate because, um, the vehicle wasn't broken that bad. Like it was like a broken little bracket and I got a new one and it wasn't that expensive and it's all good as new. You'd never know what happened. But man, here's the thing. I have learned that in life, it is very important to do certain things in the right order. Like you're supposed to, before you drive backwards, you're supposed to make sure your eyeballs have faced in the same direction as your vehicle has going. That's always a good rule of thumb anyway. You should always be looking in the direction that you're driving. And if you don't, that's you've done things in the wrong order. I didn't check my mirrors. I didn't look behind me. I just went. And, and I found that in life, if you get things in the wrong order, it can cause major problems. And I think we do this in lots of areas in our life. Like if you've ever worked on an electrical outlet in the wall without first flipping off the breaker, you will have a shocking wake up as to what happens if that goes on. Uh, I may have also Learn that the hard way. Maybe you've done that. We do this with all kinds of things. Maybe you've done this. You've, you've made a purchase. You bought something, but you didn't have the money to pay for it yet. Well, that's what credit cards are for, right? And then if you do that too much, you run into debt. You got bad credit. It's problems. It can cause problems if we get things in the wrong order. We do this with the relationships. I mean, people are really quick to rush into relationships and try to go from like zero to a hundred in just a matter of you know, days or weeks. And the reality is that it can cause chaos in your life. If you don't take things in the proper order, side note, there's a lot to be said about God's plan for marriage and all of that. Because when you get that stuff out of order, you can wreck a relationship. You can wreck a life and you can wreck other people's lives. But anyway, when you get things in the wrong order, now I understand that that's not crucial in every situation. Like it doesn't matter if you go peanut butter and then jelly or jelly and then peanut butter, right? It's still a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You might have strong opinions about that, but mainly it's it's the same thing. But it totally matters if it is clip the bungee cord to the harness, then jump off the bridge, or jump off the bridge and then, oh shoot, right? Like that order of operations, is it's pretty vital to get that in the right sequence. And so when it comes to our spiritual life, I think the truth is that there is a vital sequence of things and there is a clear number one priority, number one step, number one thing is actually a person that has to come before everything else. 
more important than where I go to church or what version of the Bible I read or like who I'm going to marry or what I'm going to do for a career. Understanding this number one priority and creating a new mentality around that priority. It's a game changer. You gotta get it right. And so we're uh, going to be continuing today in this teaching series that we started. I got my Bible here. Grab your Bible. I'll give you a minute to go grab it. Uh, you can listen to me talk in the living room while you walk back and get your Bible. Um, but um, it's always good to have a good version of the Bible, especially when we're doing a book study. And we are studying through the book of Colossians right now in this series called A New Mentality. Uh, our anchor passage for this series comes out of Colossians chapter 3. And uh, if you want to flip over there, or you can just listen while I read this. We're going to be in Colossians chapter 1 today mainly. But chapter 3 gives us this anchor passage that really sets the tone for what this new mentality is all about. It says, Since then you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God, and set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. For you died, and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Choosing to be a Christian requires a shift in our mentality towards everything. My relationships, my job, the world in which I live, how I entertain myself, who I invest my life with and in. Because if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord, you are living a new life. Your sins are forgiven. You've got new purpose. And the Apostle Paul writes this letter to the Colossians. And in this passage, he's saying, basically, listen, if you have accepted Jesus, then you've accepted his promise and you need to reset your mind on that promise. And so you're focusing on heavenly things and eternal things, not just worldly and temporary things. And so last week we talked about uh, the new kingdom, the new mentality of a new kingdom. And if you remember the passage that basically Jesus comes in and he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and he's brought us into a kingdom of light, the kingdom of the son he loves. And and, uh, it's a kingdom of light. And that's what we talk about all the time. And so there's this shift in mentality that happens because we're shifting our citizenship. We're shifting our loyalty. We're shifting our, our, our priority on what's most important in terms of who we serve. And so that shift in our mentality continues. And so every week we're going to be looking at another shift in our mentality to create this new mentality. And today we're going to pick up right where we left off, uh, Colossians chapter 1, starting at verse 15. Okay, so I want to jump right into that. Grab your Bible. Uh, If you want to look deeper into this, we're actually doing uh, Tuesday night Bible study. It's been a lot of fun for two weeks. Uh, Starting this coming week, we're going to start on chapter 2. So you haven't really missed much, but it's a deeper look into these passages, and it's been a fun way to study the Bible together. And in this, we're going to see, uh, I said at the beginning, that there's like it's important to get the order right, and that we have a, uh, a prioritization that happens. And there's a number one step. And Colossians 1, 15, and the following verses really explains why. So here we go. We're going to start out in verse 15. It says, The Son is the image of the invisible God, firstborn over all creation. For in him all things were created, things in heaven and things on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Okay, so there's a lot of stuff there, um, but... Do you know what one of the most defining characteristics of Christianity is? I mean, it's probably the defining characteristic of Christianity. And it's what this passage and the following verses are going to talk about. It's this. 
that Jesus is God. And that's huge. It's it's fundamentally different from every other world religion to say that Jesus is God in the flesh. The God became a man. He put skin on. and, And in Scripture, we see that man called the Son of God, which is kind of a confusing phrase, and there's a lot of things that we could talk about that it does it does make a lot of sense. But you might ask the question, like, what, how can someone, how can my son also be the same person as myself? And it's it's not quite that simple. We're not talking about biology here. It, it's it's kind of a title. It's kind of a phrase. And but here's the thing: I don't think that it's within our pay grade to understand the workings of God, and I don't think God expects that from us. But I do think that we can learn a lot about what that means particularly in this text. And there's some phrases and some ideas, and we're not going to get on all of them today, but a few that jump out that really help us understand why it's so important that God became a man and who this Jesus person is. And so uh, there's two in that verse we just read that I want to look at first. And the first one is this. It says that uh, the Son, we're talking about Jesus, Jesus is the image of the invisible God. Now, that word image is translated from the Greek word icon. Uh, and so it's written in Greek, it's all different letters, but we actually have an English cognate of that, the word icon, I-C-O-N, to say that something is iconic or to talk about like an icon of a business, like its logo or something like that. So you get the idea of an icon, what it is. And so to say that Jesus is the icon of the invisible God, he is the image of the invisible God. And that word carries with it two really neat ideas, and both of them uh, true about Jesus, one more so than the other. The first one I've got here in my hand, uh, I've got a penny, okay? You know whose face is on a penny? Yeah, Abraham Lincoln, there he is. Um, so the first understanding of that word icon is uh, like uh, an impression. Like Abraham Lincoln, his face, there's an impression of his face on, on this penny. And so you look at that, you're like, yeah, that kind of looks like a guy that once was the president of the United States. And so this is icon of Abe, and it, it represents what he looks like. And so that's icon. Now, there, there's a better word for that in the Greek, and it's something that's translated more like symbol. And that's not the word that Paul used. He uses this word because there's a deeper and probably more accurate way to understand this idea. And, and it's more like manifestation. In other words, Jesus is the manifestation of the invisible God. As if God was in heaven and he's like, man, how can I show myself to these people? I want them to get me. I want them to understand who I am and what I'm like and know my character and know my desires. I'm going to make myself into a human being. He's going to take himself from a plane, a realm that we don't get, and he's going to come into a realm that we do get, and he's going to show himself to us. He's going to manifest there. In Hebrews chapter 1, verse 3, it says that the sun is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of his being sustaining all things. And so there's lots of scripture that talks about Jesus being God. And that is crucial to understanding why that matters in terms of this new mentality and this uh, priority and first steps that we're talking about. The son is the image of the invisible God. Well, what does that mean? The second line there is the firstborn over all creation. Firstborn. So in the culture into which this was originally written, the concept of a firstborn was a pretty big deal. It's, It's a place of honor in a family. It's where... And it's where the rubber meets the road for our study today, because we're looking at a new mentality. And to do that, we need to understand Jesus's unique and privileged position among all creation, the firstborn over all creation. So over all creation, 
outside this room right now, I can hear birds singing. I can see trees like this, like there's creation out there and, and, and beyond all the creation and above all that is Jesus. He's number one. He's firstborn over all creation. Not that he was a created being. That is not what scripture teaches, but that he's predominant over all creation. Look at verse 16. We already read it, but look at it again now with fresh eyes. It says, for in him, all things were created, things on heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through him and for him. He is before all things and in him, all things hold together. Like it's saying that when it comes to Jesus's place among all creation, Jesus is indistinguishable from the creator. He created all things. All things are made by him, for him, and through him. There's no difference between the creator and God and Jesus. The same. And when we start to let that permeate our brain, it starts to shift the mentality as to how we respond to what Jesus says and asks us to do and hopes for us. Um, and not only that, it says that in him all things hold together. And I don't know about you, but like every life has kind of a glue that holds it together. And, you know, for me, you know, I, I look I look at some things in my life that give me strength and give me sustenance. Um, you know, my family is a big priority in my life. That's huge, the way that my, my wife interacts with me and, and we manage our home together. Like it's, it's big. It gives me strength. It gives me security. It, it centers me. Sometimes for me, it's like a project. Like I love a good project. The other day I just went out in my yard and because it was a day when I had nothing to do because everything I normally do is canceled right now, I pulled up 14 bushes out of my yard. 14 bushes by the roots. And because I was like, you know, I love a project. And that kept me going. Like I was I was loving it. I love getting out and getting my hands dirty and getting sweaty. And that was driving me that day. Uh, I've got people that hold me together. You know, there's a group of guys that they're my best friends since college. And there's five of us, including myself. And uh, we text each other every day. We, we have Marco Polo group that we talk to every day. If you don't know about Marco Polo, by the way, download that app and talk to your friends. It's a lot of fun. Um, but And then we, we hold each other together. We actually use the joke. We talk about, you know, glue. We hold each other together. Um, sometimes I need to center myself with other things. Like I, I play music. I love to sit down and play my guitar or listen to music. So there's a lot of things that hold me together, that give me strength, that center me. I wonder what centers you. What holds you together? See, a lot of the things I just mentioned are good things. But there's only one place that I can find real purpose and real guidance. Because eventually all of those other things will let me down. They'll either leave this world or they'll actually let me down because maybe they're human and they can't be perfect all the time. Or maybe it's not going to do for me what it once did. But if Jesus is supreme... And he's my number one step. And he's shaping my mentality. Suddenly, I can find purpose and meaning in him. If it is true that all things are made by him and for him and through him, and that in him all things hold together, then the converse of that is also true. That without him, nothing is made that has been made. I believe it's in the Gospel of John that it says that. And also, that without him, all things fall apart. And it is my theory, my understanding, and actually my belief that that's one reason why the world is falling apart all around us. Because there's just not enough Jesus. There's not enough God in the flesh 
in people's life. And I think it's because we're too quick to get the order of operations wrong. If, if we try to put other things first, it just doesn't work. So here's the point. Here's the point for today. To keep our life in order, we have got to develop the new mentality that the first thing on our list is to acknowledge the supremacy of Jesus. You follow that? The first thing on our list is to acknowledge the supremacy of Jesus. Now remember, uh, we're the church. If you're watching this, there's a good chance you're part of the church. You might be a guest and you wouldn't call yourself a Christian right now. And that's great. I'm so glad that you're listening in on to what the church is all about. But I want you to understand, church, that it's even more specific to us. In verse 18, we see this thing that he, still talking about Jesus, is the head of the body, the church. He's the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead. So that in everything, he might have the supremacy. So we've got this idea, the firstborn from among the dead. We actually did a whole series on that, talking about uh, the resurrection of Jesus that ended on Easter. Uh, it was called Of First Importance. So you can see a common theme between this message and, and that whole series. And it's the idea that only through Jesus can we, we're not just talking about animating our physical bodies. That's not what resurrection is fully. I mean, yes, it is. Uh, but lots of people have been resuscitated through, you know, a CPR or those those little paddles or whatever. You know, that's people have reanimated their bodies. But what we're talking about is reanimating our soul and giving us eternal life. And only Jesus can provide that. That's why he's got to be number one. That's why he's got to be supreme. And when it comes to our spiritual life, we cannot get that thing out of order. We will back into the car that's parked behind us. True. We can go for a little distance without hitting that car. I mean, I could go run out to my car right now. I could put it in reverse without looking, and I could drive for some distance. On some days, it would be farther than others. Eventually, I would hit my neighbor's house. But if I take that first step of looking behind me, I will avoid that to start with. And that's our goal with this new mentality. I think that verse 19, we're still in Colossians chapter 1, pulls it all together. And it shows us, like, it, it puts a nice cherry on top. Verse 19 says, For God was pleased to have all his fullness dwell in him and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether things on earth or things in heaven, by making peace through his blood shed on the cross. And we're back to the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus. God was pleased to have all of the fullness of his deity dwell in Jesus. When we get things in the wrong order, it can lead to catastrophe. And God knows that we need help with this. Man, He knows. That's why our salvation and our standing with Him is not based on anything that we can do. Uh, our standing and our, our salvation with God is based on what He has already done. His redemption through Jesus, His grace that He gives us every day. That's something He's done. Our portion is faith. We just trust in that. That's what we do. And as that happens, a new mentality should begin to emerge in our, in our brains that, wow, God has gone to some great lengths to show his love to me. I have got to make acknowledging him as number one in my life a priority. I've got to make it the priority. So what are your thoughts? Like we're talking about a new mentality. What are your thoughts? First thing in the morning, where are my thoughts? I've got to ask myself, like, like I should wake up. I should open my eyes. I should realize that I've made it into another day. And I should say, thank you, Lord Jesus, for giving my heart another day worth of beating. Thank you. Thank you for the sunshine coming in through my window. As I feed myself breakfast, the thoughts coming into my mind are like, 
Jesus is supreme over these raisin brand cereal. You know, like I love it. I love Jesus. Thank you for this cereal. Thank you for giving me my daily bread. And as I start my work day each day, I've got to say, Jesus, it's your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom, not what I'm building here. And as I get on the internet and I choose what entertainment I'm going to put into my body and as I, and I decide what I'm going to watch and read and the people that I hang out with, I've got to say Jesus is supreme. And as I build relationships, Jesus is supreme. And as I look at my budget and how I'm going to spend and save and give away money, it's got to be informed by the fact that Jesus is supreme. And I've got to remember that all things were created by Him and for Him and through Him and without Him. Nothing holds together and it all falls apart. Even as I pull up to the ATM. And that is so hard to develop that mentality because our tendency is to start our day and think about me. I open my eyes in the morning and go, huh, what can I accomplish today? What can I do today? And I feed myself and I pat myself on the back for providing another daily bread ration. Because here we go, another day that I've provided for myself. And we go to work and we're thinking, man, how can I get ahead? How can I make my name famous today? How can I impress people around me uh, or, or build up my business or build up my reputation? And we pull up to the ATM and we say, it was a good thing I put in a hard day's work. Now, let me hoard all of this for myself and treat myself. Because it's mine. Colossians chapter 1, verse 21, wraps up this whole thought. In verse 21, he says, Once you were alienated from God and were enemies in your minds because of your evil behavior. That's the old mentality, by the way. But now he has reconciled you by Christ's physical body through death to present you holy in his sight, without blemish, free from accusation. If you continue in your faith, established and firm, and do not move from the hope held out in the gospel. This is the gospel that you heard and that has been proclaimed to every creature under heaven and of which I, Paul, have become a servant. And that's the message of Jesus, that God came near, God in the flesh, to offer us a fresh start, forgiveness of sin, and a blueprint for a new mentality. So what's on your mind right now? What things are concern, consuming your brain right now? We're talking about a new mentality. I'm curious, what is your current mentality? I mean, if you're like most people, you're thinking a lot about uh, social distancing and you're asking yourself, when is this going to be over? Can we, like, maybe that's consuming you. Maybe you are thinking about the economy and you're stressed, stressed about that. Maybe you're overwhelmed by how weird things are right now. And listen, it's okay. It is okay to have those thoughts, but don't get it out of order. Before I think about economy, I've got to say Jesus is supreme. Before I think about my job, Jesus is supreme. Before I think about how I'm going to raise my kids or the relationships I'm going to build, Jesus is supreme. And it is the motivating factor behind everything that we do. And it's the number one step that we take. And if we begin to do that, it will dramatically shift everything in our lives. Jesus is supreme. He's step one. Let him lead. Let him be your passion. Let him be your guide and your comfort when things are hard. And listen, if you've never made that step, that, that very, very first step, maybe you have never decided, I want to be a Christian. 
Like, I'm going to give my life to Jesus. You, you've never claimed him as your king and placed your citizenship in his kingdom. Well, I want to make sure that you know this. You can do that today. You can place your mind and your heart and your life over to God. God in the flesh, Jesus. And you can make Jesus first for you. Uh, if you want to do that, if you've never done it before, becoming a Christian, shoot me an email. Um, leave a message on Facebook. Send a message to a friend of yours who already is a Christian. Say, hey, listen, I'm ready to talk about this. Um, we would love to connect with you. We would love to talk more about it and help you get to a place where you could be baptized in water also. So we see in Scripture every person who made this faith decision to make Jesus number one in their life, like, like the very first thing they do as soon as they're able is they get baptized. Uh, and, and the Bible shows us that in that moment, like you receive forgiveness of your sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit and the pledge of a clean conscience towards God. All three of those are direct quotes from Scripture. And it's this idea that I am starting over. I'm living a repented life and I'm turning myself back to God. And so maybe that's you. Maybe you need to take that step. And I hope that you will. Uh, this is kind of a strange time. Like if you were in a church building with us, you would have a chance to go talk to somebody about it immediately. And so you're going to have to kind of step out on a limb there and, and be bold and reach out to somebody. And I pray that someone reaches out to you. Um, but don't let this moment pass you by. And to all of us, every day, develop a new mentality. I want to close with this passage that's our anchor passage for the whole series. Colossians 3, verse 1. Since then, you have been raised with Christ. Set your hearts on things above, where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things, for you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. Let's pray together.